Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of SFF Yeah! is brought to us by Read Harder 2021. Book Riot's annual reading challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2021 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. Read romance by trans or non-binary authors, non-European books in translation, middle-grade mysteries, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge. That's bookriot.com slash readharder. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 96, and we're recording on January 22nd. I'm Sharif Williams. <laughs> I know the date, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we're continuing our excitement about this year's releases with our most anticipated series books of 2021. I'm so yeah, glad... We break these out because I was just about to say we could never fit all of these <laughs> into no. one episode. There's so many good books coming out this year and I'm already overwhelmed and feeling like I have to get a head start on reading them all. Like I've been downloading all the arcs. I don't know if I'll actually get through them, but I'm downloading them. So that feels like a thing. <laughs> That's the first step. That's always the yes. first step. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I was doing so good. I was back in a reading, you know, like in reading mood for a couple of weeks. And then just the last couple of weeks have been so intense. I'm sort of right back into my, mm. like, I keep picking things up and then being like, nope, not that either. <laughs> like I am, I'm unable yeah. to find something that's the right vibe for me. So we'll see how... The next couple, hopefully it'll lift again. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, yeah, good things are happening. It's just intense, is really. Yeah, I feel like we can all give ourselves some grace still. Like, it's going to take a minute to get into the swing of reading again for those of us who have been dealing with slumps. But I think it always comes back. It's just a matter of being patient with yourself when it takes a while to get there. Yes, you're so right. You're so right. Well, I am super excited about a lot of books this year. So that certainly helps. And. All right, so let's see. But we have some news to get into. But before we do that, let's hear about a sponsor, which actually is a series that I have mm-hmm. been meaning to read and have not gotten to yet. Today's sponsor is We Free the Stars by Hafsa Faisal. And this is the second in a two-book duology And the first book, We Hunt the Flame, was proclaimed by Time magazine as one of the top 100 fantasy books of all time. It was on that list that we talked about on this show Mm -hmm. a while back. And readers everywhere have fallen in love with this story of discovery, conquering fear, and taking identity into your own hands. And the saga continues uh, in this new book, which is both hopeful and devastating. We Free the Stars is the conclusion to the Sands of Arawea duology. Um, And yeah, I'm super interested in this. They've been comping it to, you know, Lee Bardugo, Saba Tahir, Rene Adier. It's set in a world inspired by ancient Arabia, and it just sounds fantastic. So this is a good reminder to me that I need to get on this train. Um, And for those of you who have already read the first one, now you can get excited about reading the second one. So that is We Free the Stars by Hafsa Faisal. That is very exciting. There was so much buzz about that book. Yeah, yeah. We've still got time, Sharifa. (laughs) 
<laughs> we still have time. <laughs> it never feels like it. I yes. know, but we do. We do. Uh, okay, let's see. I want to kick off our news with this uh, update about the Lord of the Rings series that is coming from Amazon. This has been in development for a while. I feel like we talk about it like once every three months or something uh, as new news comes out. But uh, on Tor.com, uh, reporter Andrew Liptak has uh, a summary of some updates. They, gosh, they acquired this back in 2017. Can you believe? Oh my goodness. It was that <laughs> long ago. How is that possible? Anyway, all right, side note. There is now an official synopsis for the show. Amazon Studios has released a synopsis ending all of the dramatic speculation about like what even they were going to do with this show. And it turns out they are going to do the second age of Middle Earth's history, which is thousands of years before The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. But there are some characters and some locations that we're already familiar with, um, like the Misty Mountains and, uh, you know, probably Elrond is a around. Um, we know about Gondor, which does exist. Probably we'll get some Elendil and Isildur and Sauron. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be really interesting. I like that we finally have a confirmation about what they're going to cover. Mm-hmm. And also this this article notes uh, it is an ensemble cast. They just added 20 new cast members last month. Like it is an enormous, it's bonkers how big this cast is. Um, but we still don't have a formal like name for the show or a release date. So stay tuned. Yeah, some of this sounds familiar in that, you know, of course, even though I'm like, every time I hear about giant casts like this, mm-hmm. I am boggled, but it is very like in theme with these epic fantasy series. Like mm-hmm. when you think about any, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, like, right. or I'm like just True like, Blood, like we were talking about last week, that had yeah. a huge cast too. Like, you have to be ready to have, like, your spreadsheet of characters and who they all are and, like, their lineage. Like, I mean, just, like, this is the way of the epic fantasy and I just have to get used to it. And uh, But it's, it's interesting to finally see this synopsis uh, because there are also familiar themes that you would expect from a story like this, especially the unlikely heroes aspect of it, which mm-hmm. is the thing I particularly like. Like, I love The Hobbit. Uh, did not read Lord of the Rings, that giant tome, but I did read <laughs> The Hobbit when I was younger, and I just love that unlikely heroes element. And so I'm excited that that's still going to be part of the story, and I'm curious about what those unlikely heroes, who they are going to be, Mm-hmm. And where they'll be coming from in this uh, show. Yeah. So super exciting, even mm-hmm. though we're hearing about it exactly one million years after <laughs> the news came out. <laughs> yeah, no joke. <laughs> well, my next news story comes to us from BBC's culture section. And this was a piece I found really interesting. It's by Hefseba Anderson who is talking about the rise of apocalyptic novels and also talking about climate disaster fiction and how it's become more popular and how people at a time like this, we all know what time we're living, what timeline we're living in, Mm. uh, why it can be surprising perhaps that people are turning to climate fiction and specifically dystopian or apocalyptic fiction when we are dealing with what, you know, we're dealing with a pandemic and we've been dealing with unrest and and political upheaval and all of that stuff. But I thought that this was interesting because I am among those people who initially thought I would be turning to a lot of uplifting, easygoing fiction Mm. for comfort, and then for whatever reason, without even really thinking about it, ended up reading a bunch of books about pandemics and about dystopian worlds and 
some really dark stuff, but the piece is talking about specifically some of the recent fiction that's come out and how those authors are thinking about what they wrote, obviously before the pandemic struck, uh, but thinking about their work in the context of what's happening right now. So, for instance, Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam was one of the books that's discussed in this piece. And uh, the author of this piece talks to Alam about his thoughts on what his work could mean to readers and why they might be taking comfort in these books. And I just thought it was a really interesting read because I was just recently uh, talking to my partner about uh, audio drama we recently listened to, and it kind of brought into context yet again that I am <laughs> listening to and reading a lot of stuff that's kind of disturbing, but it was this this audio drama called Blackout, and it was starring Rami Malek and mm. created by Scott Conroy. And it was really disturbing, and I remember being a little shaken by it because it is as is discussed at the beginning of this article, it's one of those stories where, you know, all the power goes out and how do you deal with it and how do you confront your own heroism or lack of heroism in these situations? And I thought one of the interesting points brought up in this article was talking about, you know, how some people are kind of turning to these stories as how-to manuals. Yeah. <laughs> How do you handle crisis and deal with calamity and how do you simply muddle through is what was said in this piece. And I don't know. I thought it was just interesting. It's been interesting to me personally to sort of do a self-analysis about what I turn <laughs> to in these times and what kinds of what kind of writing really speaks to me when I'm dealing with a lot of inner turmoil. So I think if you've had some curiosity about that yourself or have noticed some of these books rising in popularity, it's interesting to take a look and hear what some of the authors are saying about their own work. Yeah, super interesting. Um, I, on a less serious note, I just want to register that I still hate the abbreviation CLIFI. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate that it. That is fair. I don't think it should be a thing. I just need to, like, register that. Um, but, yes, this, this is a very interesting piece, aside from use of that phrase. And I do love that, you know, like, Alam and, um, like, Emily St. John Mandel, I saw her get interviewed a couple times yeah. uh, last year about, like, what it's right to have written a pandemic novel. And, like, now this is where we are. Um, so it's super interesting to hear from the authors about, you know, their inspirations and why they wrote it and why they think people are, you know, turning to it. And I think catharsis, catharsis is a really powerful motivator. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It makes it makes perfect sense to me, even though this has not been the catharsis that I've been reaching for. But I absolutely mm -hmm. it makes like it makes sense to me. I mean, if I was one of these authors, I'd just be like, well, you know, I'm an oracle. That's all. Like, <laughs> I, I saw this coming. And I warned you all, and now you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody says go. that in this No, movie. nobody says that. <laughs> well, speaking of authors talking candidly about mm. things, I just wanted to briefly reference this piece uh, that went up on Sci-Fi Wire. It's an interview with Terry Brooks um, in conversation with Alex Dubin about finishing the Shannara series. And I know Vanessa and I talked about, you know, how that series is coming to an end on a previous episode, um, which I was like, wait, they're still happening? Like, I didn't even realize. <laughs> um, and I have never read an interview as frank as this one is about burnout in long series and like, you know, he's even like, I, you know, definitely these last books are not, you know, they don't hold up to some of the earlier ones that I think were some of my best works. Like he talks about, you know, specific ones early on that he thinks were his best. But he's like, they're solid, but like, you know, 
it's been mm-hmm. a long time and I've been working on this forever and I need to move on. And I'm just like, wow, it's so honest. It's so fascinating. It's so fascinating just from, I think, a craft perspective, even if, you know, I stopped reading these books decades ago. So it's not like I'm an up to date fan, but um I just think it's really interesting to hear an author speak frankly about what it's like to have written a series over this many, I mean, 40 years of writing, like so many books in the series. And, you know, yeah, what what that feels like as an author. It's fascinating. Yeah, I was thinking about this because in particular, when I read the interview, I was thinking about some of the wrath that we've talked about on this show before about, you know, incomplete series. Mm. And usually they come with, they're they're usually these giant, perhaps not as giant as this one, but they're, they're big series that take a lot of work and time and effort. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this argument of how readers aren't necessarily entitled to those next books Mm -hmm. or entitled to the like we have to take into context that these are human beings behind these books and that we don't know all the circumstances of their lives and their lifestyles and whatever Mm -hmm. and but I think that some of that frustration that you hear about series not coming to an end or taking a long time is because there isn't a lot of transparency about mm. what's going on and it feels like you're kind of being left on the hook. So anytime I come across as well these interviews where an author is just saying, yeah, I had burnout. Yeah, this book isn't as good as it could have been, but I was really tired and I was thinking like, I have to finish it because I'm not going to live forever. Right. And what did he say? He said he didn't want one of the authors. He didn't want Brandon author. Sanderson to finish it, which is a joke yes. about Wheel of Time, which, you know, I am very familiar with. Um <laughs> Because, yes. yes, that series famously had to be finished by another author after Robert Jordan died. And, like, it, there was, like, they had it mapped out. It just wasn't, mm-hmm. he just hadn't had a chance to write them. Um, but, yes, that was that was a funny moment. Like, a little I morbid humor there. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh, we're friends, so I can say that. But whatever. But, you know, like, just having, like, acknowledging to people and having that sort of level of, you know, I am a human being. Here's mm. your reminder. I right. I know it's not maybe not everything you expected it to be, but I had to do it and this is how I could do it. So mm-hmm. I agree. This is it's really refreshing and you know, I almost hope it opens up the doors for other authors to just be like, Yeah, you know what? I am exhausted and I'm getting older and this series is huge. And maybe you'll <laughs> like it, and maybe you won't. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they, it's it is. It's really fascinating to think about um, what it what. And I, you know, I think every author probably has a different relationship with their series books. But it it does make me want more of this. Like, yeah, tell me the truth about how you feel about. It. Do you love it still after all these years? Do you hate it? Like, are you done? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it feel like? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I know it's it's incredible to hear it said straight by yeah. somebody and I feel like that can only help. I probably helpful to other writers who are like just starting out as well just to hear but- the honest truth. Yeah, I was going to say, we also have to keep in mind that Terry Brooks is able to do this. I mean, there are other authors who are struggling to, you know, make a living, to make their names, to get recognized, um, who don't necessarily have the room to be this kind of honest about uh, what it's like to be an author working on a long series. But, um, But he does, and he did, so that was fun. That's good. Okay, well, I just have two quick ones that I just didn't want to fall off the radar because Mm -hmm. these happened a while back, but they're still really cool. Uh, One of them, one of the stories uh, from Locust Mag is about Nala Hopkinson being named, being the 37th recipient of the Damon Knight Memorial Grand Master Award and the first Black awardee which is mm-hmm. one of those, like, 
amazing it happened. Can't believe it's just happening for yes. the first time. First black woman to win uh, the award. And um, you actually found this great interview with CBC Radio where mm-hmm. Hopkinson talks about what that means to her and what it means to be a black woman specifically and an immigrant receiving this award. And it's just a really great interview. I learned so much about Nella Hopkinson. She's such a great author. I've talked about her work before, and it was really fun to hear from her. She's just such an amazing voice in science fiction and fantasy. So highly recommend that interview. And then the other bit of news that I wanted to quickly mention was this 2020 Imagining Indigenous Futurisms Award winner, which is a story I haven't read, which is this is one of those times where I'm like, it's a good reminder to read all over the place. But it's The Fox by Lennox Nikolai Treat Bad Moccasin, winner of the 2020 award. And it's a $1,000 prize given by the International Association for the Fantastic in the Arts. And also Calling Line 17 by Paul Johnson was a shortlist story. And this is, um, this is, I guess it was supposed to be, it says it was supposed to be announced um, in March of this year at the International Conference, but I don't know if that's actually happening yeah. in the state of the world. Maybe virtual. Right. So this award is given to emerging authors who use science fiction to address issues of indigenous sovereignty and self-determination. So congratulations to Lennox Nikolai Treatbad Moccasin. Indeed. Co-signing everything. Okay. Well, before we get to talking about our anticipated series, I'm going to tell you about our next sponsor, which is Bookmarks, a customizable journal to record your reading life. Meet your new reading buddy and all in one spot to record everything and anything book related. Inspired by bullet journaling, Bookmarks offers ideas for setting up a multitude of book tracking pages with a mix of fill-in prompts, charts, lists, and plenty of dot grid pages to customize. To help expand your literary horizons, the journal also includes a section of recommended reading lists compiled by none other than Book Riot. So you can use book bookmarks to jot down what you're reading, what's on your nightstand, some of your favorite quotes and vocabulary words. I do that all the time in my phone. Also memorable characters and reviews of recent reads, all sorts of things. And there's also a bonus that the Backflap has a punch-out bookmark, which is super fun. So if you're interested in picking up bookmarks, you can go to bookriot.com slash bookmarks tracker for your copy. Thanks to us for sponsoring the episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about some anticipated series. Mm-hmm. I am super excited for this first one, which I accidentally originally put on the list for our anticipated books because I did not realize it was a series until like an hour before that show. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I am talking about The Conductors by Nicole Glover. And this one is out later in the spring in March 2nd. And it's from the series Murder and Magic. And this is the first book in the series. This is a de- debut, which I I seem to be latching on to a lot this year. Maybe I do this every year, but I really do love a debut mm. because I feel like I'm getting in on a secret ahead of time. I feel mm. like this book is not going to be a secret because it just sounds like one of those books that's going to be buzzy and going to get picked up a lot. But this is a book of magic and mystery, which is something I'm learning I love a lot, is this uh, genre mashup of fantasy and mystery. And it's a historical novel. It takes place during the when the Underground Railroad exists, and it's about this crime-solving team in post-Civil War 
Philadelphia. <gasps> what? The Philly story. <laughs> I know. I was like, I hope Jen knows that this is a Philly book. You know, it's sort of you're obligated to pick it up now. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so the main character is Hetty Rhodes, and Hetty is a conductor on the actual underground railroad. So Hetty's helping to usher do- dozens of people north, and she uses her wits and magic, which sounds really fun. And I thought this was really interesting in that this is a husband and wife duo of, you know, sleuthers and also just as a team who are helping people out. And so they've settled. Uh, Hetty and her husband, Bedgie, have settled in Philadelphia and they're sur- solving these murders that uh, white authorities won't touch. So in the story, they find one of their friends murdered in an alley. So they have to set off to find answers about what happened to their friend. And they dive into these, the secrets and the intricate lies of elites of Black Philadelphia. And of course, as you might imagine, their quest for answers ends up dredging up even more questions. And they end up having to face ugly truths all around them, including as the synopsis says, the ones about each other, which is, ooh. Gasp. I never want to hear that with a husband and wife, too. What <laughs> is going to happen to this couple? <laughs> so I'm really excited about this. The cover is totally eye-catching, and I feel like there are more stories coming out in, like, the speculative realm about the Underground Railroad. So I'm excited to hear another one, another take on it. And Nicole Glover sounds like an amazing person and writer. There's a line in her bio that says she believes libraries are magical places and that problem seems smaller with a cup of tea in hand, <gasps> which I absolutely co-sign and love. <laughs> Somebody make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> I would buy it in a heartbeat. I shouldn't because I do too much retail therapy. As well. Yeah. <laughs> I would buy it. Who cares? <laughs> so super excited about this one and about following this series and this author again. That was The Conductors by Nicole Glover out March 2nd. So I had noticed that one when I was catalog surfing, but I only saw the tagline. I didn't like dive into the uh, description because I saw that you already had it on your list. But now I need it as soon as possible. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I want all of it. I want all of it. It's so fun. I, I, love, I love a caper, and I'm hoping this is like full of capers. Yeah. And old school Philly is always fun to read about. So I will be bumping that up on my must acquire a galley of this list um yeah so (laughs) i like feel a little bad because i'm looking at my list here and all of my authors none of them are debuts they're all authors who i am just super (laughs) excited about getting more books in the series i've already come to love or to see them starting a new series so um that's that's what my list looks like but i uh am excited to uh, vicariously live your debut author life. Yes, we're, <laughs> we're balancing each other. That's right. Here. There you go. Um, so my first pick is uh, my first fantasy pick is Soul Star by C.L. Polk, which comes out in February, February 16th. And it is the third book in the Kingston cycle, which I love so much. So much, y'all. This series is just great. And I like I'm so excited for this third book. Uh, I actually am current with this one. I uh, when Witchmark came out, I fell for it hard. And then um, Storm Song came out last year and I was like, this is amazing. So I'm very (laughs) much ready for this third book, especially because it brings a side character who was important to the first and second books. 
to the fore. And so Robin is finally getting her own book. I cannot wait to hear her story. She is from a margin, a multiply marginalized community in this sort of parallel, like vaguely Edwardian English world that Polk has created. Um, and uh, she has been sort of in the background as all of these big sweeping changes are moving through this society. And I'm so excited to see you know, this culmination of like, what are these changes going to mean for her community? What is her role going to be? And of course, every I think it's worth saying that every book in this series also has like a romantic pairing. And so that means that Robin is going to get one too, which is very exciting to me. Because <laughs> I love to see my my favorite fictional characters, you know, get the love they deserve. And uh, both love stories previous to now were very satisfying. So I'm sure that this one will be too. So I'm just like, full clearly I'm just full of all of the feelings about this series and being a little vague because I don't want to give away any spoilers but y'all should read it it's just great. They're very heartwarming books, even though lots of dramatic and intense things happen, which is a really nice balancing act that is hard to pull off. Um, but these books feel sort of the same way that I feel about Howl's Moving Castle, um, in oh. that it's like a chicken soup, you know, comfort read, like definitely a cup of tea for your soul kind of situation to me. That's how they feel to me. So I'm very excited again for Soul Star, which is the third book in the Kingston cycle by C.L. Polk. I did a double take with this one because I was like, didn't C.L. Polk just come out with the, yes. like, the Midnight yes. Bargain? the Midnight Bargain. Out. It was a standalone <sighs> in a totally separate world. Like, Polk is having... A moment here. It was yeah. also selected for Canada Reads, which is a big deal. Uh, so, you know, oh it, it's a good moment for these books and this author. Wow. Amazing. Very yeah. impressive. Okay. Well, my next one feels like another one of those bound to be buzzy books. It is the, this is again, fantasy. Sorry. This is The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. And it's another book one in the Deathless series, and it's out February 29th. This is a YA fantasy, and if you've seen it, probably a lot of anticipated lists, you've probably come across this cover because it's absolutely gorgeous and eye-catching and stunning. It's a YA fantasy, and it's another debut, and it feels big judging from like of course I don't have that much to go on but judging from the synopsis and kind of the way this book feels it feels a bit like how Children of Blood and Bone did when it came out like that level of like impending buzziness so I am hoping that happens for it because it sounds incredible and it is about a world where girls are outcast by by blood and warriors by choice so it follows 16 year old Dika who has to go through this blood ceremony that's going to determine if she's going to become a member of her village and there's a there's sort of a way they judge whether or not you can become a member by whether your blood flows gold or not so if your blood flows gold you would think that's a good thing but right. it is not <laughs> so if it runs gold it is ac- that's actually the color of impurity and if that happens there are really terrible consequences so Tika's really worried about this and she's hoping her blood runs red uh but she already is different she has a sort of unnatural intuition and then she ends up getting this choice from a mysterious figure who gives her the option of staying in the village and submitting to her fate or going off to fight for the emperor in an army of girls who are in the same predicament. And so I just like, first of all, army of girls fighting against, (laughs) you know, wrongness and being outcast and all the things and these characters that are near immortals with these rare gifts. I just think this sounds right up my alley. 
And I can't wait to get this in my hands and start reading it. It feels like one of those really immersive, epic stories and definitely deserving of a series because it feels like the jumping off point to um, some excellent and expansive world building. So if you're looking for something to really dig into and you don't mind starting a series without knowing when it's going to end, <laughs> you, <laughs> which I know is not all of us, uh, you should definitely check out The Gilded Ones. Again, that's by Namina Forna, and that's out February 29th. All right. My next book is a book one from an author that I have loved other books from. It's The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri, which is coming out in June, on June 8th. And this is the first in uh, the Burning Kingdom series, which is new. I have been extremely obsessed with uh, her other two books, Empire of Sand and Realm of Ash. And I'm really excited to get a new story and like a new set of characters, even though I would also gladly take more <laughs> in the other mm -hmm. uh, series. But that was I think that was always meant to be a duology, which is fine. Um, so this is inspired by the history and epics of India. And the two main characters are a captive princess and a maidservant with a big magical secret who become unlikely allies on a journey to save mm -hmm. their empire, which like, I just, could you have ticked all of my boxes more yeah. successfully? <laughs> like, I just don't know how you would try. <laughs> this all sounds great. Uh, Malini has been imprisoned by her dictator brother um, and is sort of kept in this old temple that was once a source of, you know, very powerful magic, but now it's just a ruin. And Priya is one of her maidservants who, like, makes the slog to this, you know, ruin to uh, upkeep Malini's um, rooms. And she is very happy to be, like unknown, unseen, you know, nobody pays any attention to the servants. Like, that's just the way she wants it. But of course, you don't get to stay hidden in these kinds of stories. And Malini finds out that Priya is more than she seems to be. And then they go have a great big adventure together. That And this is just the first. Uh, it does not say how long this series will be. So who knows? But I am very much here for starting off on a new adventure with Suri. Um, I just found uh, the other series she wrote so immersive and I really loved the characters and the different kinds of magic that appeared. Uh, they just weren't much like anything else I had read. So I feel excited to see what new uh, things she will come up with in this series. So again, that's The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri out in June. Okay, well, kicking off our science fiction series... Uh, this is a new-to-me author as well, and it's another book one. It's Rise of the Red Hand by Olivia Chada, and it's out January 19th. And it is, if you are one of those people we were just talking about, I won't say the word, we were talking about climate books. <laughs> <laughs> If those are speaking to you right now, this sounds like it could be a good one because it is about uh, climate change and it takes a look at what could be the future of climate change and specifically in South Asia. And it's about revolution and classism and a lot of things that feel really timely so it takes place in a South Asian province. It's called the South Asian province, I believe. So it's split into, it's divided by two classes. There are the uplanders who lead these really luxurious lives. And they are living in this climate-controlled biodome, which is, it completely relies on technology and they're kept healthy and youthful through gene therapy. And then outside of this biodome, there's everybody else who does not get to live in the lap, lap of luxury and they're surviving with these sort of discarded black market robotics and 
They're in the slums, and they have to also deal with the effects of climate change, which includes rising sea levels and unbreathable air and deadly superbugs, which I'm like, is that like insect <laughs> bugs? Is right. it like, you know, computer bugs? It all sounds really terrible either way. Yeah. <laughs> and so the book call- follows um, Ashiva who's working for this underground network of revolutionaries who are fighting this government. Um, and I I was, I cringed because this is a little too real, but the, the government is run by a merciless computer algorithm. Oh, gosh. I mean, algorithms run everything, unfortunately, yeah. which, so I was like, oh, wow, that's too much, too much, too real, yeah. too everything. And so... Um, Ashiva is a smuggler and she has cybernetic enhancements and including a robotic arm. And she also rescues the most vulnerable of the city's abandoned children. So then Ashiva meets this hacker named Rizali, who happens to be an uplander. And they end up uncovering this really terrible conspiracy uh, that the government is trying to hide. So it sounds like it's going to be a wild ride. And there's lots of stuff that feels like it relates to today. There's even a pandemic, I believe. And there, uh, yeah, there's a pandemic. So (laughs) again, I don't know how I keep landing on these books. I wasn't even looking for it. But there you go. If you're looking for a pandemic climate fiction read, (laughs) you can pick up this book, Rise of the Red Hand, again by Olivia Chada. And it's the first book in the Mechanist series out January. Oh, out already. What am I talking about? Well, that's nice. I am really stuck on this idea of like Skynet, but also your Facebook feed algorithm like come to life. Yes. This is is horrifying. It's horrifying. (laughs) Truly a horrific prospect. (laughs) Okay. Do not let this be. No, don't want it. Don't want it. Uh, All right. So, um, on a more hopeful slash less. Probably less cathartic uh, (laughs) note. My first science fiction pick is The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers. It's the fourth book in the Wayfarer series, which I didn't know. I had no idea that Wayfarers was getting another book. It's been a while. Yeah. And she's been writing other things for other, you know, worlds and novellas and whatnot which is great and all but like i saw this and i was like like the angels are singing it's very (laughs) exciting um it comes out on april 20th and this just sounds like a very like Chambersian Wayfarer's premise. It sounds just like the kind of thing that i would expect from this author in this series it's about a planet that is basically the equivalent of like a galactic truck stop like it's not nice or fancy nobody wants to go there on purpose but if you're traveling through deep space you might need to stop there to like refuel and or get a permit or something uh so there is this it's called the five hop one stop which is a name i love to say out loud um (laughs) run by a very enterprising alien and her child and they are like you know working hard to like make everybody feel welcome in this out of the way place and they like are you know just doing their jobs and then a freak technological failure means that nobody can come or go so now everybody's stuck there there are three stain- strangers who all come from different places. They're different species. They have different aims. They have not like theoretically nothing in common. But now they're all stuck here at this like truck stop planet. Um, so of course, what do you do? But start to learn more about the people you're stuck with. And uh, I just can't wait to like learn these characters' stories and experience another piece of the Wayfarers universe, which, speaking of books that feel like chicken soup, uh, this is also definitely a series that feels like that for me. Chambers is so good at, like, 
even when there's not a lot of plot, you just get so drawn in by the characters and what they want and what they're aiming for and like whether or not they're going to accomplish it. Uh, so I'm really excited to see this new edition. Um, and again, that's The Galaxy and the Ground Within by Becky Chambers, and that will be out on April 20th. So exciting. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, my next one is kind of a cheat in that it does look like it can be read as a standalone, but I take that as a plus. Yes. So I am talking about A Master of Gin. This is by P. Jelly Clark. It's out May 11th, and it's book. It's it's called book three um, in the Fatima El-Shawrawi series, uh, but it is the first standalone, I guess, in a novella series. It's taking place in P. Jelly Clark's alternate Cairo universe, mm. uh, which had the fantasy novel debut, A Master of Jinn. So this takes place in that universe, and it follows Fatima el-Shawrawi, who is the youngest woman working for the Ministry of Alchemy. And this is another one that mashes up mystery with fantasy and steampunk as well. So it follows uh, El Sharawi, who is tracking down the murderer of a secret brotherhood that's dedicated to one of the most famous men in history, Al-Jahiz. And so Agent Fatima is called on the case, and it talks about how this brotherhood transformed the world a long time ago by opening up the veil between the magic and mundane realms. Another thing I just love to read about in books is when, you know, the regular world clashes with the magical world. And so the murderer is actually claiming to be Al-Jahiz and, you know, returning to uh, sow consequences in the modern era for some social oppressions. And it causes a bunch of unrest in the streets of Cairo. And so with her colleagues and her girlfriend, Siti, Agent Fatima, has to figure out this mystery and restore peace to the city. And it just sounds like P. Jelly Clark just writes some of the most memorable characters mm. I've come across. And the stories are always so wonderfully paced. And he's managed to fit a lot of story into small books. So I'm really excited to read this standalone and to see how he expands on this world he's created. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, it sort of seems like maybe it could be a standalone, but would I feel like I'm missing out by not having read the previous books or like I feel like a little bit out of the loop, which has happened with mm. some standalones. Um, but I did see somebody in Goodreads saying that she actually read it and that she had not read any of the other books and that it actually made her intrigued to read them. So I feel like that's a good ideal. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really, really excited about this. And I feel like I did not get to read P. Jelly Clark last year. So I'm really excited to revisit his work this year. So that was, again, A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. It's out May 11th, and it's book three or a standalone in the Fatima El-Sharawi series. So exciting. I already have my galley of that one. I love. Nice. I've read A Gin in Cairo, which is, uh, I think it's, a, I don't know if it's a novella or a novelette or a short story. I don't yeah. know. A small <laughs> story um, that small takes story. place in that, in that Cairo world. And it was so good. It was a murder mystery also. So. So fun. Yeah. Love gotta love it. All right. Uh, I am definitely cheating a little here because I'm going to give a quick shout out to a book that I'm excited about, but then I'm going to talk about something else. Uh, so quick shout out to Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells, which is the sixth book in the Murderbot series. It's another full length novel. We just got 
the first one of those, you know, because Murderbot started out as novellas and then shifted into full-length novels. And I'm really excited for more. I marathoned all of them last year in sort of my the dark night of my soul in, in early March when everything sort of started to get really bad. Um, and it was very soothing and I'm excited for more. So, yes, quick, just a heads up that Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells is coming out on April 27th and that is the sixth book in the Murderbot series. Okay, but the book I'm uh, officially talking about is Escaping Exodus Symbiosis by Nikki Drayden, which comes out on February 23rd. It's the second book in the Exodus series. And I know that this is not true, but it feels a little bit like it was you know, released, that's right around when my birthday is. So I was like, happy birthday to me. (laughs) Just for you. Just for me. It's obviously just for me. Uh, (laughs) So I think I've talked about Escaping Exodus before. It was like a very interesting interstellar beasts that people live inside of in like a weird sort of parasitic theoretically symbiotic relationship and there's like a lot of like tentacles and it's like extremely weird um, because Nikki Drayden only writes extremely weird books that's just true Uh, it was great though I loved it it like kind of squicked me out it's about as much body horror as I can ever handle but it was worth it and I loved it and I had I thought it was just a standalone. I had no idea that there were going to be more books in that world. So I was super excited to see Symbiosis come up. Um, and uh, it's uh, yeah, it's it's sort of the next chapter in this um, in this story. And I don't want to say too much about it because I think that you definitely should read. Escaping Exodus first. I really, I'm sure that they introduce what is needed to be introduced in the second one, but I just like, I need you all to read it anyway. (laughs) And then come to this one because what a premise, y'all. Like, what a premise. So I can't wait to see what Drayden does revisiting this idea and um, how it all comes together in this part two. I'm super excited for it. So So again, that's Symbiosis, which is the second book in the Escaping Exodus series by Nikki Drayden. That comes out February 23rd. Go read Escaping Exodus first. Good to know. Yeah. And that is our show. SFF Yeah is sound edited by DR Baker. Many thanks to them for making us sound great each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening. You can email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. And if you have a moment, please review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find us. And you can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? I am mostly on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's I-A-M-J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And you can also find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. Until next time.